the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is episode 258 of the Boys of Tech for Thursday the 30th of January 2014. We are, of course, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast, which I normally mention, and I didn't, so I'll mention it now. My name is Edwin Herman, and I'm joined over Skype by Brett King. Hey, hey. Hey, good to have you on the show again. This is a midweek update episode. Uh, there's been a lot of stories. You know, we talked last week about uh, Apple announcing that OS X and iOS won't be merged, and we also related that to Windows. Well, I saw an interesting article just a few days ago that pretty much now is the time to say, okay, Windows 8 wasn't great. Indeed. Indeed. It was looking promising. It was really I, looking promising. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, 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 I have been a proponent of Windows 8. I've, you know, said that it's not required as harsh a criticism as it has got for a lot of its things. But, yeah, it, I, there were still a lot of things that they're just – it was just too different and too wonky to control with the mouse. Well, I think, you know, what you're saying there is one of the lessons I think they have learned, but unfortunately have made the mistake in the first place, is that, and I think you said this on the last episode on Monday, that I think they tried a little too much to uh, make, uh, what do you call it, Metro the same as the same experience as the desktop OS. So in other words, they put in a lot of touch features in the OS without a sort of a way with a keyboard and mouse to get around that, or at least not easily. Is that, yeah. is that a fair comment? Uh, that is a very fair comment. It was too, yeah, too touchified without being able to do everything under the hood. Because they gave you an under the hood. They gave you desktop. They gave you everything that you would expect from a, a desktop Windows operating system. But they moved tons of bits for seemingly no good reason. <laughs> yeah, so look, you know... My be- biggest frustration with it was actually the control panel. The, the control panel and different widgets within the control panel would show you so little information than what they used to. And you would have to find the spot to, to click to expand to get the rest of the information you actually wanted. So perhaps they didn't really think about what's the most common information in this particular <laughs> control panel that people want to see. Because normally, you know, often it's a useful feature to say, well, look, let's present the user with these four things because these are the four commonest, I don't know, yeah. items in the in this particular control panel and or area. had that been contextual, I could have agreed. But it wasn't contextual. For, I'll give you my example. I opened up the task manager by doing the good old-fashioned right-click on the taskbar from the desktop interface. 
right? Right. Go task manager. I would expect it to pop up and show me the currently running applications, currently running programs, I mean, in the the lingo of, of Windows 8. But all it shows you is currently running Metro apps, of which there were none. But I was running three oh, I see. separate programs. I then scratched my head, looked around the window of the task manager to find the bit that I was sure would be there somewhere that I could click to get the bits of task, man- you know, the old task manager stuff back. And I find, you know, found the bit, clicked on it, and suddenly there, oh, look, I'm running three programs already. Excellent. Now give me the processes so that I can kill the one which is frozen. Right. <laughs> okay, so they've, you know... They, they yeah, it, they put too much effort into making of taking the start stuff and a lot of the things for settings and inter, uh, and configuration and metroizing it when that was completely distinct and disjointed from the desktop experience that everybody was expecting. The one thing that Microsoft do well... Which is me is- doing a massive flip-flop on what I have said previously. <laughs> <laughs> because Metro, is, Metro by itself, I think, is great. I like Metro. I think it's a brilliant interface. It's a great touch interface. I, I just didn't like losing all of my desktop stuff underneath. But Microsoft <laughs> when I good- couldn't find it because all of my regular stuff I could do with shortcuts and all that sort of stuff still works. But then there were bits where I was like, oh, I finally fell into the trap <laughs> of Windows 8, which made me discover some of these things. So Microsoft was- are good at listening to the customers, right? They've learned from this. I mean, mm. you know, people are even saying it might be a little bit harsh, perhaps a little bit far-fetched, but people are saying perhaps Windows 8 will be remembered as the way Vista was, the one you didn't want. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if it's that bad or, or maybe it will be. I don't know. But the, think, the yeah. thing is, they're going to listen. It's part that. But it's also part that Windows 8 came pretty rapidly up on the heels of what I personally think is the greatest version of Windows they've ever produced. What about XP? You're talking 7. about 7, but what about XP? A third I of really IT professionals. Liked, I really liked still- XP. XP was incredibly stable. Its compatibility was pretty damn good. Its backwards compatibility was pretty damn good. It brought in new innovations. And yeah, I I really liked XP. But when 7 came along, I was gobsmacked at just, they had taken everything they'd learned from XP and they'd just taken it a little step, you know, a little step forward integrating new technology, new features that actually made sense, worked. I like the way the new start, I like the way the start menu works in Windows 7. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got your all programs if you want to scroll through that, but directly above the start button, once you click it, you've got your little search box. It's like, (laughs) do I need to scroll through that to find my Photoshop? No. Photo. Oh, there it is. Click. Yep. It, brilliant. And then they took it away in eight. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, why? <laughs> Greatest innovation of Windows 7, yeah. in my opinion, the news, the start menu from, from XP, and they took it away in eight. Uh, from seven, you mean? Yeah. Start menu from seven, not XP. Yeah. Well, is, yeah. <laughs> there, there we go. Um, I don't know. You know, some of the employees at Microsoft have kind of concluded that eight kind of wasn't really a good thing so i mean you know 
look out for nine. It's what we did with Vista, right? We kind of hung out for seven and they gave us seven and we loved it. Indeed, indeed. They showed us the true potential of what they were kind of, you know, they kind of hinted at in Vista beneath its the rest of its incredible slow clunkiness. There were hints of what came in seven and seven is seven's just brilliant. I run seven and nine would do well to take advantage of everything from XP and seven that people love and keeping that and just making it a little bit better. And which applying, is what they did and, from and also, XP to, to seven. Yeah. And also applying the lessons learned from eight. Yeah. And Vista even, but hopefully I, there's none I of still those think there. that, you know, you can very well, because there are a lot of uh, touch-enabled desktop systems available, you know, all-in-wonder machines. There's it, pretty much every manufacturer makes one, selling them for the, as the desktop for, you know, family homes. And the Metro interface is great for that. But once you get out of, once you hit the desktop square on your metro interface you want to get out of apps and metro and into the heart of you know windows you want your taskbar you want your programs you want the start menu you want all of the innovations and features that you know and love from previous iterations of windows to be there and then you know when you're just browsing the web or, you know, you're just hitting that up the desktop to quickly play a game of Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, you can do that on the, on Metro. Hmm, that's right. Well, you know, I, I think we'll have to see what, what they, I mean, they fixed a few things in 8.1. Yeah. When I say fixed, I mean made some changes based on, <laughs> sorry? Brought back some features. Yeah, brought back, yeah, exactly. You actually brought back some features that they took away and changed some of the ways things happened based on customer feedback. The mm-hmm. question will be, uh, how how is 9 going to stack up? I think it's uh, worth waiting for. I, look, I've got a friend who who was really excited about getting a new laptop. She She got Windows 8 with it. And she was, you know, she was really positive initially. But as she started using it, she got more and more frustrated. And she told me about these frustrations. And this was soon getting to the time where 8.1 was due. And I said, look, just give it a couple of more months. 8.1 will be available. You'll be able to install that. It should fix all your complaints because most of her complaints were were things that were rumored to be you know, corrected in 8.1. 8.1 came along and she said, yeah, okay, it's sort of this and that out, but she was still frustrated with it and kept saying, I want seven back. Can you put seven back on there for me? <laughs> Which the, the last time I heard those sorts of, you know, the, the word downgrade was in the Vista. days of Vista. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you upgraded to Vista and the next day you dug out your XP install disks. Yeah, that's right. Well, that was, that was far, uh, you know, that was to a far greater extent because I remember even the the uh, the vendors, the, the sorry, not the vendors, but the retailers, they even had, you know, big signs and things saying, you know, downgrade to XP and how much it costs, you know, which was unheard of in computer industry before. Yeah. You know, the actual retailers where you go and buy them saying, you know, buy this model and with a downgrade to XP and this will cost you this much. So anyway, now moving on to something else, Google Glass uh, has been in the news recently. Well, an incident involving Google Glass, a customer went to watch a movie at the cinema, 
And they happened to be wearing Google Glass prescription with the prescription lens. Yep. And they got hauled away and questioned for three hours by the FBI because they were suspected of wanting to record the movie. I I actually, I, I have no pity for this person. None whatsoever? None whatsoever. You are... You should expect the same reaction from going to the cinema and having your video camera with you from being at a day at the beach with the kids, filming them from. Well, that's a very good point, Brett. You've got it with you. But this isn't just, you know, I've got it in the bag under my chair. This is I'm holding it. So it'd be like holding your video camera but just not using it. Just say, I'm just holding it here. It's just resting in my hand. But you go, I'm not using it. Nobody else can tell that you're not using it. That yeah. is the problem with that, Google Glass. You know what? That is you the have big hit, problem with Google Glass. You have hit the nail right on the head there. It's and exactly I the, think if the you reason. are stupid enough to have prescription Google Glass and not have other prescription glasses to use in situations where blatantly having a camera obvious would be inappropriate, too bad for you. Yeah, look, you know what? I, I, hadn't, thought of, I hadn't thought it through that far. But I, I totally agree with you. And I'm just thinking now, you know, if you had your Google Glass on, on sorry, on, on you, you know, on your nose and you wore those to the swimming pool, the changing sheets, for example, you know, people could, you know, wouldn't oh, be happy yeah. about that. It'd be like I, holding I would, a video camera. I would, uh, I would ask that person to leave and I would call a staff member. Yeah, because you don't know they're not filming you. I, yes, you do not know that they're not filming. You do not know that they're not making inappropriate films, which they're going to put up on YouTube. Yeah, and also uh, concerts, you know, rock concerts and whatnot. If you yep. if you go to one of those, you, you're not allowed recording devices. It doesn't matter if they've got something useful attached, like a phone or a lens. Precisely, uh, you know, I wear yeah, your prescription glasses. Yeah, that's right. Take regular glasses with you. Do yeah. not expect the world to comply. Yeah, just because you say that you're not going to record. So we agree that it's a bad idea and that this person who wore the, the Google Glass at the cinema, did a, it was a silly thing to do. But yep. my question now on a slightly different angle is it was an hour into the movie, they were approached by the FBI agent who snatched Google Glass off the man's face and then removed him from the theatre. Do you think that approach was also appropriate? Because I, I think that was, it sounds... I wasn't there, but it sounds heavy-handed. Why could they say, sorry, I'm, sir, you cannot wear Google Glass at the cinema, remove them immediately? And, I think and, and the reason for that is, when you is take another reason for, uh, is another thing about the, the Google Glass. You know? It is a social media sort of thing. It is the FBI comes up to you in the cinema and goes, I'm sorry, sir, you can't use Google Glass in the cinema and starts to ask you to leave, you flick on recording, tell it to stream to YouTube and have an argument, all-out argument with the FBI agent. Who ends up looking bad? Yeah, but surely, Brett, surely the very first thing is to ask someone to leave. There's only an issue if they ought to take the glasses out, out of the, and leave them outside. It's only an issue if they fail to comply. Mm-hmm. Surely... They, he didn't need to be dragged off and questioned for it's somewhere. Somewhere said three hours. I don't know if that was accurate, but that was one of the. Does sound like a little yeah. <laughs> over the top. But I still think actually, just if it if it happened as described, snatched the glasses and immediately removed him. To me, sounds it should have been, sir, you need to leave now, or sir, you need to take these off and leave them outside the theatre now. 
and me, it's entirely possible that snatched off the person's face is actually a euphemism for, sir, hand over those glasses now. Thank you. Well, yeah. Now come with me. How how was it reported exactly? And it's yeah. really difficult to tell. There I is mean, that. I wasn't there. And if there was physical violence involved in the snatching, the removal of the glasses, then that is an appropriate use of force for the situation. Yep. Uh, but I, a, you know, solid insistence that the specs be removed immediately and handed over to the person, I have no problem with. It is so the person can then ensure that they're not being recorded and that none of, you know, nothing is going to be blown out of proportions. Because he does say, someone, they, he was asked, were your glasses damaged? And he says, my glasses were not damaged. After I explained to them how much they cost, they touched them in a gentler way. The only rough part was when they took them off my face in the theatre. So it does sound like it was literally taken off his face. Mm. But anyway, I, I don't know. It, it I, I think... Underneath all this, I, I agree with you, Brett, it's a bad idea in the first place. If you are using a, a technology in an inappropriate place, regardless of what you say the benef- the additional benefit of the, of the technology is, that is irrelevant in the, in the situation that you're using it. Yeah, and it's not just and technology. You, it's it, it, you're it, removing it. It goes for anything. You don't take a gun into the bank and say, look, trust me, this isn't a hold up. I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to hold this gun right here. Uh, I want to make a transaction. You can't do Precisely. that. No, you can't do that. do that. You can't. And you should expect the shutters to come <laughs> yep. down yep. and some men with bigger guns uh, <laughs> to come behind you, pointing them at you, saying, drop the weapon right now or we will shoot you. That's exactly right. And that is something that you should expect and anticipate and no way be surprised about. <laughs> well, I think we've analysed that well, haven't we? Yeah, That's- and I think the exact same analysis we've just done could be put in place of all of the news articles that show inappropriate use of Google Glass. Yeah, there's been a few. Google Glass driving. while you're driving. Dri- yeah. Google Glass while you're, you know, in inappropriate places like the changing rooms. Uh and such forth. <laughs> yep, absolutely. You can take the exact same things of, well, it's inappropriate technology in inappropriate places, uh, get used to being told to remove them or have them confiscated and don't think that you can use them. The fact that oh, it was turned off and I need them because they're prescription is going to be a legitimate excuse because you certainly had prescription glasses before you got the Google Glass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> e- anyway, that's not a, even if you didn't, I mean, that's still not good enough. All right, Brett, we'll leave that story there. We've analysed it to death pretty much. I did, speaking of death, I did want to go through uh, for our next story. Tech Radar's 10 products destined for the scrap heap. It's called <sighs> Gadget Death Watch. I read through it and I was like, see, no. Well, let's see Let's see what no. you... No. Some of it was no and some of it was no. I don't want them to. <laughs> but, but it's going to happen. But you acknowledge in, in those cases it's going to happen. I acknowledge that in, in some future version they will not exist. However, I see certain of them having resurgences. Okay, let's, let's Just go... Just as vinyl. Okay, let's go through them one by one. Analog radio. I mean, DAB is coming, that old FM tuner. Indeed, And I love the comment. I love the comment at the bottom of it. 
<laughs> DAB is coming. It's going to be everywhere. And that's great news for anyone who likes FM but wishes it sounded worse and was harder to receive. <laughs> Which is a great, <laughs> a great thing of how digital radio currently works. Well, <laughs> you... Yeah, look, I don't know about sounding worse. I have, uh, you, I've had, I have listened to some poor bitrate ones, and yes, you know, when well, they were trialing it in, no, in the it, UK, when it's trialing and in locations where you've got intermittents or cutouts, oh, the, yeah, the stream yeah, factor works significantly worse than FM broadcast. Yeah, actually, that's a point. Yeah, then that, that is true. But it, it can it can actually sound better. But yeah, you're right. It's difficult. Oh to- yeah, if you are in perfect reception, clear, all that sort of stuff, your bandwidth is going good, then you are going to get some good sound. But you put yourself in your traditional long haul driving situation, and you're going to get a worse yeah, experience. Might, might sound pretty than bad. You would yeah. with um, analog radio. Okay, so no, no, but- hence this is one of the ones that I see might very well drop significantly, but then certain niches will resurge. Right. Well, actually, to be honest, it will really depend also on how governments decide what to do with that spectrum. I mean, if they say, right, we're closing that part of the spectrum off, it's going to be used for other things, uh, you've got no choice. Radio Mm. stations won't be able to broadcast. I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm just saying it really does come down to whatever the governments in various countries decide to do. Yeah. And I think in emergency sorts of situations, this sort of stuff will, it's easy to set up and and better signal strength, all that sort of stuff. So mm. emergency situations, it's always going to be better. Well, we could keep the AM band for that. Right, number <laughs> number two, dumb phones. What do you think, Brett? Is that going to slowly die a... I th- it down? will if the manufacturers start to stop producing them. But there are people like you in the world, still Edwin, and I was walking down the street and I saw a person who was of a demographic that I thought would have assumed would have been smartphoned, but this person was using a little Nokia, a little Nokia Yay, dump. I'm not alone. You know what? I must admit, I noticed them now as well. It's a bit like when you buy a car, a new yeah, car, everyone's driving, <laughs> everyone's driving a car. There are a lot more people using that car, driving yeah. that car than you first thought. That's right. Yeah. So I do see people with dumb phones and it happens to me maybe one, once or twice so, a week. I'll see someone using a dumb phone and I'm thinking, hey, how come you're using a dumb phone too? That's kind of cool. Yeah. I think it will, that, this particular one will be driven purely by manufacturers because I think there are certain niches where the demands of their phone are phoning and texting. And I think price comes into it as well. Because exactly. Let, it is significantly cheaper. Because if, yeah, they are. I mean, I bought this one for $19 with a $10 credit. So effectively it was $9. I mean, where else do you buy a $9 phone? Now, the thing is, I think, you know, with the reason I say price is if even if they continue to manufacture dumb phones, but they're the same price as a smartphone, you know, at the low end, obviously. Yeah. I think people like me will buy the smartphone. It, uh, it really starts to get iffy when you get into the really low-end smartphone, and I use that in finger quotes because when you're getting into the really low-end, you're getting into a phone that has the potential to be smart, but it doesn't have the capability to be smart. 
So it might run a smartphone OS. It might have inbuilt things that you can do. But when you look at, you know, the the expansion of smartphones with, you know, downloading all these cool apps and doing all this cool, amazing stuff, the apps won't run on the really low-end phones. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Mm. So you end up with a, a, a semi-smartphone. And it, yeah, there's also a step in between as well, which is the actually the one I've got now. It has internet, but it's like WAP only. Yeah. And it's kind of in between a, a really dumb phone and what you were just talking about. Yeah. All right, Brett, number three then, cheap cameras and camcorders. This one, they've definitely got a point. Um, how, yeah, it is sad to see them go. And it is sad to see the the rise of the smartphone camera Mm. because the smartphone cameras, while they might have some pretty damn good megapixels, their lenses and the sense of themselves are horrible. Well, do you know what, Brett? They're really, really relative. Well, not even relatively. They're pretty crap. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Look, Brett, the thing I'm surprised about, though, is they give the reason, as you said, the reason for why they think these will go is because the smartphone cameras are getting... You know, really good over in general. I but I've heard other stories, and I I go with this other with this other uh, rationale going the other way that it's not the uh, what do you call it the uh, compact point and shoot ones that are going to disappear. It's DSLRs in the consumer market are going to disappear because for the opposite reason because your compacts are getting really really good. Indeed. So I've seen that before, and I believe that. I'm not saying that DSLRs will disappear from the earth, but they'll disappear from the consumer market. Even your amateur photographer won't have one. Yeah, the the point and shoots will merge more into the the low-end DSLR market, and so the low-end DSLRs will be cut off, and you will have high-end consumer and... DSLR professionals. Well, you yeah, exactly. Because you look at the the uh, some of the compacts now, what they can do, they've got decent. Oh, I wouldn't say they've got professional lenses, but they've got decent lenses. Decent they lenses. produce really, really nice imagery. You can also get some which have one of the standard type lens mounts. Yeah, so actually, you yeah, can I've have got one. A, you know, a relatively generic sort of case with a low end sensor, but you can put on some pretty good lenses and some of them have you know adapters so that you can take the good lens off of your old film camera and stick oh, it onto, see, your, yeah. see, mine- onto your onto your point and shoot and get some actual good quality pictures coming out of uh, a low megapixel well my compact uh, canon has the you can remove the lens if you want mm. anyway let's uh, carry on number four 3d tv is going to die a horrible death what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I, I saw this as soon as it was starting to come out because yeah, the, the same reason that, that 3D movies have always fluctuated. We're currently having a pretty, pretty big high in 3D movies. But it's just um, a fad, right? But, yeah, because there are a lot of people in the world who don't get 3D, as in they, you know, their brains do not interpret the 3D images properly. Oh, okay. Just get headaches. Oh, I see. And... 3D with glasses is just so very difficult to mm. use if you have glasses. The only thing I would say is watch the space on 3D without glasses because that's kind yeah. of quite new. That but is that is 
that is what you'll get. Yeah. The, the biggest thing about 3D, the gimmick of 3D, is the fact that you need these glasses and they, they are a pain in the butt. It means you've got to have focus. You've got to get prescription lenses for those if you want to wear them without having a bulky sort of 3D yep, thing yep. that comes over <laughs> top of your regular glasses yep. if you use glasses. It's all incredibly cumbersome. And what happens, you know, when you've got two of these glasses, but there's three of you in the house. Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I, yeah, it's okay. When there's glassesless 3D. That will be that will be cool. I think that's but what you need the, to watch. The whole glasses 3D is yeah. Okay, let's move to number five: DVD players. Well, of course they're going to die because it's all Blu-ray yep. now. Exactly. You've got Blu-ray and Blu-ray is backwards compatible. Yeah, so that's a no-brainer. That's, that's the thing. So in, in DVD players as a standalone, yes, die. But Blu-ray players are also DVD players. So in this essence, the essence of the DVD player hasn't died. Yeah, I think they mean DVD as the highest... Oh yeah, it's already you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's not gone. Yeah. But then a lot of the older form, you know, older media types haven't haven't gone completely. No, that's right. What about Blackberries number six? Blackberry phones, they'll die. Uh it depends on whether or not Blackberry keeps doing what it's doing. Isn't it still big in certain parts of the world? Yeah, you're right. Is it South America or I, uh, I thought it was Middle East. Oh, Middle oh. yeah, I think you might be right. Actually, I yeah. think it was Middle East. I think it's I think it's still yeah. pretty big in the Middle East. But is uh, it going to so die? As long as it's still got, as long as it's still got a market which can support it, then it won't die. Okay, number seven: portable TVs made redundant by tablets and other such devices. I thought they were already dead. <laughs> You took the words right out of my mouth. TV. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, sold a portable TV in a very long time. Yeah, the last time I saw one was, I think, in the 90s. Yeah. I, think I saw this side of the millennium, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, not a portable TV. Sure, portable DVD players, that can also do TV. But no, just a portable DVD, no, portable TV by no, itself. No. I remember okay, when we're all the fad, you know, you had oh, a tiny yeah. little telly in your, in your kitchen so that you could watch yep. whatever while you were cooking while everything else was going on in the lounge room. <laughs> Take it to the beach. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely being replaced by tablets. They're being replaced by just second televisions in places. You know, instead of having a portable TV that you could cart mm. around yeah, to different right. places, yep. you'd have a, a, an actual other television sitting in the, in, the, in the kitchen where you could look up your recipes or you would have a tablet that you could cut around wherever okay what about number eight landlines definitely in certain circumstances i think your regular sort of home phone landline definitely we don't have one not anymore okay so yeah i think that Definitely, but landlines for certain fixed, insta- you know, fixed businesses, that sort of thing, still makes sense. See, I, I find it hard to call either way. I, I can't decide whether well, I agree, the, the, the whether I agree with, or not. With everything going cellular is, once again, you get into certain circumstances, take a natural disaster, for instance, where cellular signals get jammed. The cell phone towers yeah, get jammed. Yeah. That stuff doesn't go through. 
Whereas your good old landline quite often still works perfectly fine. I remember after the- So if there is a landline in the building and what you're calling is a landline, then you're still going to get through. I remember after the uh, Friday earthquake last year here in Wellington, trying to make a call to a cell phone or from a cell phone would not work. Landline to landline, got through. Precisely. Mm. So in fixed positions- Buildings, you know, organizations, businesses, shops, retail, that sort of thing. A landline is always going to be key. And in specific positioning in as public landlines, you know, public phone boxes are being landlines, not cellular sites, I think is still going to be seriously important infrastructure for a civilization because there will be situations that either take out the cell signal or, as you mentioned, in the in a natural disaster, everybody swamps the cell signals. And you've got a landline, you can still get through to emergency services or mm. still get through to the important people. So for, for those sorts of situations, landline is always going to be better. Okay, then, number nine, and I think this is a no-brainer, satellite navigation devices. Satellite no, G- nav, unless car, you are long haul, unless you're a long hauler or in a business that requires you to constantly have navigational information displayed, such as taxi drivers and, and you know, that sort of thing, yes. So you're saying where your phone wouldn't last on a charge? Where your phone would not do. Yeah, Because okay. you've got to remember that most sat-navs have a much bigger screen than a smartphone. Right. Okay. And so mm. all of the information about where the directions, where the road turnings, all that sort of is larger for where you've got it positioned on your dashboard. So, Brett, so, so that perhaps you don't have interrupted view of this of this information. Okay, so so, so perhaps we could so say one in those situations will stay. Right. So but, so they'll form a niche, really. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, your average yeah. person, and your average, your average person who's just driving car. around town, going I mean, to work, coming back, or you know, suddenly decides, you know what, I'm gonna, I need to go to a party that's up in Brooklyn, will whip out their smartphone, yeah. and if they're a good driver, give it to the person sitting in the um, front passenger seat to navigate for them, because they should not be looking at that while they're driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that's true, but they can be listening. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Brett, Indeed. number ten, and I think this is a hard one to call. The other day. I was in, uh, in fact, it was late last year. I, I say the other day, but it was late last year. I was in, I think, a Harvey Norman store and I saw, no, actually it might have been Noel Leeming, actually. And I saw a curved LG television. Mm-hmm. Curved TVs appears as number 10 on Tech Radar's list of products destined for the scrap heap. Agree or disagree? Ooh. See, I'm... I'm of two minds about curved TVs already. And it's for similar kind of reasonings for 3D TVs. There's the gimmicky side of it. It's a, oh, look, we can we can make an LCD that is big and beautiful and it's curved. Which means that if you sit at the perfect point in front of that telly, what an experience. But this is a television, and it's going in your living room. How many people are in your family, Ed? Exactly. It's not one, it's four and Where are they all sitting? They can't all sit in the same spot, Brett. Exactly. They can't all sit in the same spot. So a curved television that is not the size of your wall 
<laughs> is going to leave certain viewers with impaired views. Yeah, it's always going to be the going case. On. So what's the point of exactly? So, so what's yeah, good the call. point of good it? Call. So I think that, yes, if you are a bachelor or you are thinking of this television as being the primary gaming monitor for your PlayStation 4, then, yeah, you're probably going to get a pretty fantastic experience. The person sitting on the uh, chair to your left and right, probably not quite as good an experience, <laughs> depending on the size of your curved screen. Uh, yeah. 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 No, look, I, you know what? I, I, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm so with you. I agree. I think you've, you've said it well. I mean, they there's, only, there's only one perfect spot. It's in, it's in a living room. This is where they go. It goes in your living room. It's it's a TV. It's nothing. You know, you're always going to be slightly off on one angle anyway. So what's the point? Absolutely, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty much it for Tech Radar's list of items. Their top ten, if you like, items destined for the scrap heap. Some that we agreed with. Some that we thought had already gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, portable TVs. Who's got a portable TV? Yeah, and some that we think will still have a niche as long as they're – because they already have a niche. Mm. And, yeah. But, you know, things like Satnav, for example, are, were and probably still are to some extent mainstream. They're going to go very much niche taxis, long-haul truckies, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. People where they need that information, yeah. they need it immediately. It needs to be unobtrusive but visually, you know – viewable um, so, so we're talking transport industry really we're not yeah, talking yeah, we're not talking private like it is now private automobile owners no private automobile owners you've got your your phone yeah however saying that on a long haul for a you know you are going to head somewhere on a road that you've never done going up the east cape heading from wellington to auckland you're driving along the East Cape. You're going to want to have a nice, solid, constant. But would you? Would not. you need it all the time, or wouldn't you just tune in every now and again to check where we are? Because I mean, you're on you're on a road for goodness' sake. You're not you're not going cross country. You're on a road. Well, it depends. Because you're either gonna you're either gonna want to be looking at it quite a lot. Because there are a lot of little roads that head off and have signs saying they go somewhere and you go, hey, that, 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 I look at map, that's going to, that's definitely going to cut off some time. And then you realize that, wait a minute, no, that, that um, one centimeter of map was actually four hours worth of driving. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe, uh, whereas, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Because you took that one turn because you didn't have something that was always telling you but Brett, stick I think, to this road, stick to this road. Okay, so look, I agree that and that could so be a use case, Brett. But, is significantly better than yeah, the battery. Okay, I can see that's a use case, oh. but I can't see people opting to buy one just no. because one day they might do a long, <laughs> you know? I, well, yeah. That's uh, what I, it comes I fully down admit to. that it is a scenario where that device would be significantly better than a phone. Agree, but being. would it be enough uh, for people to buy one? I, I don't think so. No, unless you did it often, in yeah. which case you'd probably be in transport, in which case we've already said that this would be a <laughs> device for you to get. All right, then. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll conclude the international stories <laughs> there. Good place to end. And when we come back, we've got a New Zealand story to cover. Don't go away. See you right after this. All right, welcome back. 
Now, I've got two daughters, one's at school already, and we know how much, well, I know at least, and parents like me know exactly how much it costs to send your kids to school. I'm talking things like, well, stationery at the moment, school fees as well, but stationery in particular. And the worrying trend here is that we've seen here in New Zealand more and more schools either recommending or mandating even, I think in the case of one school, if I remember correctly, the purchase of an iPad or some other tablet. What are your thoughts about this, Brett? Because I think schools are trying to figure figure this thing out. Do we not go there? Do we recommend it to parents who can afford it? Or do we mandate it? Because at some point, these things See, have, have a real use in the classroom. They do if they're properly monitored. Otherwise, they are a major distraction. That means that that student's not going to engage in class. We're telling the teacher at the front that use these devices to teach. And how is that teacher supposed to do their teaching job and make sure that the person in the back isn't playing Angry Birds? Yeah, look, you're, you're Especially right. Especially if you're bringing your own device, okay. in which case, you know, it's a kid's device. The school doesn't have the, the, the right to, to interfere with how it runs. Brett, you're right in that there's always that risk. But I, I, yeah. I think the fact remains that iPads and the like have positive application in education. They have potential. They, are, they can be a really good learning tool and i think it's like anything like you know anything it's up to the teacher in the classroom as to how they are used effectively and they can monitor that so i think yeah so so i think there's (laughs) going to become a time when we're going to have to accept it the reason i brought up the story by the way is because waimaku school in west auckland has recommended that children have an ipad for the upcoming school year now, it's a recommendation, it's not a mandate, but these things cost, you know, 500 upwards. Mm-hmm. It it's is a lot a of money. It's a lot back. of money. It's a lot of money, yeah. but it, even the, the, the usage of the devices, you know, discarding the financial impact it's going to have on the vast majority of the New Zealand's public school sector's families is how... <laughs> I remember back... In my school days, in the dark ages, we had computers in the classroom. Our use of those computers was strictly monitored and at specific times so that we would be focused on on learning and we would utilize it for learning tools. When you have 30-odd students in a classroom and a single teacher monitoring those, as well as providing teaching and all of the other things, how are they going to ensure that all of the students are actually using the device for what they're supposed to be using them for and not goofing off? Yeah, but I think that argument is the same for anything. It's the same for paper and pen, you know, making darts or things like that. I think that I think it's well, going to become the norm in the classroom. I think it will become the norm. I just hope that it is monitored appropriately because unlike doodling on a piece of paper, it is more detrimental when you cuz doodling on a piece of paper you're mindlessly doodling. But when you're actively engaging in playing a game, instead of learning, 
instead of listening. So I used to doodle um, yeah, at school. And I you used to roll out little bits of paper for me to flick towards the front of the class. Oh, indeed, indeed. So yeah, we used to to, 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 to muck off. In I used to launch classes. it off the. Remember, oh. I used to launch it off the uh, Casio FX eighty two D calculator case. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and but we still listened to stuff that happened. We did in the class mostly. Uh, and so, if there was a a question or something that was going to be raised, we would do something with it. But imagine that in today, with us, with our Eye devices instead actively engaged in a game. We're no longer. I know, but Brett, but the, surely that's that's going to be the same as it, I, I think. It just comes it, down to uh, classroom. <laughs> I think. Well, yeah, this makes us get into the whole debate uh, about the, the the falling standards in New Zealand education, <laughs> based on all of the, the the international reports that have been coming back, mm. and uh, yeah, how bringing all of this stuff into schools with teachers that are already overworked and attempting to do all of this stuff. How are they going to be resourced to handle all of this extra load? Yes. <laughs> and the the thing of schools attempting to lock parents into specific types of devices, et cetera, and how are they going to then implement it when a student already has a different competing brand device and comes along? Is the school yeah. then going to force them to go, oh, I'm sorry, you have an Android device there. We're all iPad. All of our apps are, are, are iTunes apps. They're all, yeah, we, we use a, a, a custom iPad app that has been specifically written for this class. There is no Android equivalent. You, you must have an iPad. Um, well, Brad, on that note, yeah, I, <laughs> on, on that note, because this, this be does happen. The, the, for it. Well, this does happen. In the case of Waimaku School, they have recommended an iPad they have also said that they're not mandating iPads. Alternative devices will be fine, but the teachers may not be able to help them with them because the teachers and the other, and the kids are already familiar with the iPads in class because they've got iPads for the class. So if a parent does ask, we recommend an iPad, but we won't insist. <laughs> Oriwa College, by the way, Oriwa College, different school, they've decided to bring in compulsory iPads which caused a little bit of controversy back in 2011. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also Linfield College are mandating that uh, year 10 students have a mobile device. They haven't said what. But oh, yeah. you know, it, it is the thing that's really tricky because you touched on, on brand, uh, on well, your brand, I guess. It, what's really tricky is that an app for an iPad may not be available for Android, which may not be available for Windows and, you know, the vice versa of that. And it's really difficult because there's a cost associated, you know, if the school invests in a program or or has a deal with a provider, as is the case for a lot of other things, by the way, not just tablets, there's a cost if they had to support everything. So what do they do? I think it's the same reason, Brett, that you find... Go cross-platform, damn it. Well, yeah, but that's expensive. And I think that's the, that's, that's the reason... We're that, based. Yeah, you can't always, but I agree with you where, where possible, absolutely. But you see, and I think that's the reason why we see a lot of places go Windows only or they'll offer services to students for Windows and say, well, we'll help you with your Windows desktop, but and if you have a Mac, that's fine, but we can't help you with it. It's just exactly the same reason. But of course, in the tablet market, it's it's kind of a different. You know, the the iPad is the is the tablet. It just so happens that it's that way. It's going to be it's going to be expensive to go cross platform. Um. Well, they should suck it up. 
Damn it. I think, well, you should th- not be locking people in to a device when they have got something else. Well, surely they don't have anything at that point. You know, when your kids are at school, is the time where you start buying your first. Unless tablet. they're getting a hand me down. They might be getting well, dad's. Well, they might be getting a hand me down, yeah. They might be getting dad's device. So that's a tricky challenge. There's no, I'm not trying to provide an answer to it. There is no answer. All I'm saying mm. is that that's one of the challenges a school's face. Do they go with Android? Do they go with iPad? Do they go with Windows? Or do they try and be cross-platform? Or they try and go agnostic and go web-only apps? So those are some of the decisions they face. They, they will have a lot of decisions and a lot of things because there's all kinds of reports that are coming back on kids' usage of devices. And... Uh, briefly glimpsed an article last week which was talking about how very little time children on tablet devices actually use reading anything. They don't read stuff on these devices. There's no knowledge transfer in that. It is games and interactive and social media stuff. Yeah, but that's outside the classroom. Hmm. I don't know. Or I guess... How the usage goes. It will be interesting to see what the, the, the statistics comes back with to see whether or not any of this makes any difference whatsoever in their learning and their grades and their ability to problem solve, reason, do all of the things that, you know, we were supposed to be able to do once we graduated. <laughs> Was that what we were supposed to do? Was we it? were supposed to be fully functioning, reasoning, you know, able to determine whether or not something sounded off, uh, whether something was the correct course of action, be able to add, divide, subtract, multiply, uh, be able to speak and write correctly. <laughs> well, all, all I know is that it's going to mean... All these things that we were supposed to be able to do when we come out, it'll be interesting to see how we do in the, the, the next round of international comparisons well one thing's for sure and that is these devices are an expense that five years ago we wouldn't have predicted on the school stationery list mm. well it's it's yeah especially if the the schools are, are pushing a specific brand well they did with calculators I remember going to school they said the if the Casio fx82d it's I, I, I can understand why they need a, a to push a brand because it's uh, it's expensive to support multiple platforms. It doesn't matter what the Why? platform is. I, I, With my calculator, I never had any input whatsoever from any teacher on how to use the calculator. Well, I'm talking about... I, I do not recall scientific calculators, right? We're talking scientific yeah. calculators. Yeah. Yeah, but the reason they specify that particular one is because A, they know it does all the functions they need to, but also B, the teachers have obviously been trained or, or know that device because that's what the school's been using and that's what they prefer you to get so that they can show you if you need help. You might not, not have needed to be shown anything, but others might. See, I, I, yeah, I, I will grant you for the calculator scenario, but the calculator scenario has no ongoing costs. It has no ongoing tie-ins, whereas your tablet choice has has lockets. It is an ongoing thing. It is, you have now chosen to become part of the iTunes family. And to leave the iTunes family is incredibly expensive once you've become part of it. 
So you're talking about once you've got a whole bunch of apps that you like yes. and, and so once on. You have, yeah, look, I once you have bought uh, yeah, into one of right. those things, you can't leave them without going, okay, I am going to be giving up all of the money that I've put into this to switch to a different device. So yes, you are, you're forcing the parents to pay for a plus $500 device to, to, to take to school, but then you're also forcing them to have to maintain their consistency with that device. Well, the, the other solution then, Brett, is you have is go agnostic. Well, you can, but you can't always. But uh, I agree, that's great. The other solution is the you buy put more money I, into it. Then no, no. If you buy an <laughs> iPad for school and you buy something else if you if you want to for your own pleasure, you don't buy any apps on the iPad. You just use it for the school because that's what that's what you're buying it for. Well, that's what the school is asking you to buy it for. It's not saying this is what you must have in, in your case, living room. It's just saying the, the school what we should provide school. it. Well, that's the other argument, but, you know. I it's, think the school should provide well, it in that case. In that scenario, the school should provide it. I should not have to buy it myself. Well, you see, that's uh, the if other I've got, model. If I've, got a, if I've got an Android device and my kid knows how to play Angry Birds on the Android device, then why can't they take the Android device? <laughs> why can't they use the Android device? Well, that's the and other model. Why can't model, they the do the stuff that they're going to be doing in class on their Android device? The school providing the iPads is, or whatever tablets they have is the other model, but that's a whole... This, this, this is going to politics, which you don't want to do because we, we are apolitical, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. It's a tricky one. Brett, I think hey, we're, we're going to wrap re- it up there. Remember our high school? Our, our high school, when it got laptops, it, it got laptops. Yeah, but that was funded. No, we, but, no, yeah, but hang on, hang on. That was funded as a special grant by, I remember this, it was yes, one of I four remember. technology schools in the country were selected as a trial to have 60, I think it was, laptops, 30 for the class and 30 for, for uh, teachers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was a special program. Indeed. They what, should just roll out a program like that for all the well, schools. Well, they could. It'll cost the taxpayer a lot of money, and that's why I don't want to get into politics because well, no, this is not a political Only if they choose show. the iPad. <laughs> They could choose the hundred dollar tablet. It's still ex- it's still expensive, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so anyway, let's let's leave that there before we head into politics because we don't do that on the show. But what we do do is tech, and we've done a lot of tech, and uh, we've had a, a thoroughly. This was supposed to be a midweek update. It's turned into a full length show. <laughs> anyway, well, that's that, what you get for putting in in things that we'll be able to argue about. <laughs> exactly, especially with you, you and me. me. I like to argue, you know. <laughs> That's what the show's all about. Hey, Brett, look, thank you very much for co-hosting. It's been a, a, a brilliant show. It's always fun to argue. Excellent. And we'll do it again next week. Till then, take care, Brett, and thanks to our listeners. Take care. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.